Allow me to begin, before I read the scriptures, with a profound statement. And here it goes. Anytime a man sets his mind on going to the seat of power, nothing can stop him. You can be as ordinary as you want. You can be as little as you want to be little. You can be as, you know, civilized as you want to be civilized, spiritual as you want to be spiritual. But the day you set your thinking or your eyes on going to the throne, whether it is the state house, whether it is the parliament, whether it is the county government, the day a man removes his eyes from civilian thinking and civilian ambition and he decides, I am going to the throne, nothing will stop that man, including sickness or disease. If it was sickness or diseases to stop people from the throne, Kibaki would not have sat on that throne in 2002. And the people are even saying, even if he is dead, bring the casket, we will vote and we will say, we voted for him in the casket. Some of you are not yet born. Me, by then I was born. Though I was not having my idea, I was not yet 18. But I remember the rallies that were going on in the nation. The people were agitated. They were electrified. Because somebody was about to sit on a coveted seat called the seat of power. I was watching a movie and a friend of mine here knows the movie. She also watches them. And a man decided he is going to the Oval Office as the President of the United States. And when he decided that, his friends came to dissuade him, including his top advisors, that you cannot make it. Then one wise man, like some of you, said, when a man decides he is going to the Oval, there is no stopping him. <laughs> there is somewhere I am going. Nothing changes people like power or the fight for it or the journey to it. And sometimes instead of telling people, change, 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 we should just tell them, this is your final destination. Can you begin wearing your shoe? We are going there. Sometimes instead of telling people, wake up early, shave your beards, you know, make your armpits to be a bit, a bit tolerable, you know, to be tolerable, if I may call it that way. Make your chin to be a bit smooth. Instead of giving them grooming advice, we only need to tell them, that is the throne. When are we beginning to march to it? And as soon as a man will see the throne, that man will be changed in his habits in his lifestyle. Another statement I will make before we read the scripture. We are as serious as what we see ahead of us. And we are as, you know, reckless as what we see ahead of us. When what you see ahead of you is not convicting enough, is not serious enough, you will not have any reason to be serious. Till a woman sees the glory of walking in white on their eyes, she may not see the importance of purity and the importance of staying clean and staying, you know, pure. Why? Because you cannot go beyond what you see. The Bible says how Jesus set his eyes to Jerusalem. And after that, Peter begins to beg him, Lord, Lord, Lord. And he says, Satan, get behind me. Why? 
When a man has seen it, he can only go for it. The problem we are having, don't be in a hurry to read your Bible. We will read it, boss. Even after this, you will still read it. The problem we are having with people is this. We are not having people who are seeing something bigger than them. They are not seeing something bigger than themselves. No wonder they have to be woken up. No wonder they have to be begged to be serious. No wonder they have to be begged to have common sense. Because what they are seeing ahead is not as gripping as it should grip them. Paul puts his eyes on going to Jerusalem. And when they are Paul, the, 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 the prophet Agabus came to him and told him, Paul, they will kill you. This man whose hands I bind will surely be caught in Jerusalem and he will not walk alive. Paul says, even if I am dead, I am going there. Why? Unless he got to Jerusalem, he was not going to expedite his prophetic showdown. There is a moment to provoke your prophetic showdown. I know some of you are children, but just listen. These are words from the Lord Jesus. There is a time to provoke your showdown. You have been waiting for that miracle. But a day comes, you kick the can of, of worms, and the worms begin to bite you, and the action begins. One time I was staying with a a man of God, he loved me. He was an apostle and I loved him too. And he was also housing me and feeding me and clothing me and babysitting me. And I said, Lord, how long will this happen? And I prayed to get out and I was not getting out till I said, Lord, by faith, I am getting out. And when I got out of that comfortable four-bedroom bungalow, I walked into the slum. But since then, I have never been housed or fed or clothed. I kicked my can of worms and worms came out in form of living in the slums. Worms came out in terms of not living comfortably. But at least I was circumcised and I stood on my ground as my own man. Ask your neighbor, what are you seeing? How serious is what you are seeing? Paul says now in Colossians, now you can open our Bible. Good Christian boys and girls, we can now open our Bibles. Colossians chapter 3. You know, some of you are like, okay, okay, let's read, let's read. <laughs> the power of tradition. Colossians chapter 3 from verse 1. The Bible says something that is going to guide us the rest of the week as we go into the week of glory. Colossians chapter 3 from verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Allow me again to read the same Bible, Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. Then after that, we'll just do the explaining and then we'll be done. Revelation chapter 4 from verse 1. The Bible says, Revelation chapter 4 from verse 1. After this, I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat on there 
at the appearance of Jasper and Rabbi, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From verse 5, from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lambs were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Six. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center, round the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and behind. And the Bible continues to talk there. When we look at chapter 4 of Revelation and chapter 5, for those of you who are Bible students, there are 12 mentions of the throne with the 12 meanings. I have no time to explain that. But those of you who have time to go, you can go with your pen and look at the throne of God. It is mentioned 12 times. Because 12 is the number of government. Allow me to go back a bit. In the Bible, Jesus has two kinds of chairs. If I may use the word chairs. In the Bible, Jesus has two kinds of chairs. The first chair is called the seat of Christ. Somebody said the seat of Christ. The next thing Jesus has is called the throne of God. Somebody said the throne of God. What is the difference between a seat and a throne? A throne is permanent. It does not move from one place to another. It cannot be exchanged. It cannot be relocated to another location. While a seat is something that can be carried around. Our president has one throne he sits on in his office. We don't have a special name for his office. We can call it the executive presidential office. That place has one seat that never leaves. It is the seat of authority of the nation of Kenya. But there are other imitations to that seat or that throne. These are the seats that are carried on the Land Rovers when he's going to Kisi or going to Mombasa or going to Narok because he must sit on something presidential. So that is a seat. So the seat of Christ is a bit mobile. It is something that can be arranged because the occasion demands for it. But the throne of glory, the throne of Christ is one. The Bible says now in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Why do we call it the judgment seat? Because after judgment is over, the seat is also over. It was just a set up for a special occasion. Are you hearing me? After the judgment is over, the seat will be removed and put somewhere else. Because the judgment session will not be for eternity. It will be for a period, maybe from morning to evening, whichever will apply in that day. But the throne, which I want us to focus on, the throne, the throne is one. The problem today, dear Pastor Kimani, with the Christians, is that they have so many eyes in so many places other than on the throne of Christ Jesus. Yet this is where everything about our past, everything about our present, and everything about our future, and even our eternity, will be decided upon. 
If you do not understand the throne of Jesus, if you do not see it in your heart or see it in your visions, I tell you the truth, you are still lower in terms of your spiritual level. The greatest thing you can see in heaven is Christ on his throne. That is why, as we are looking at the next week of glory, we have one focus. Lord Jesus, open up your throne. Let us see your throne. We may not see visions, but at least in our heart, we will feel there is something out there, bigger than us, we need to live for. Remember what I began by saying. When a man decides he's going for the throne, in terms of civil service, Nothing can stop him. The reason why some of you that ever have been able to stop you in the past is because what you are seeing was not so strong as what was opposing you. When what you see is stronger than what is opposing you, what is opposing you will have to bow. I like what David says in three ways. Number one, he says, By my God, I have jumped over walls. By my God, I have scaled, I have pushed over walls. And the Bible later on talks about Joshua removing a wall through praise. Walls is not the issue. The issue is, where is your target? Whether a wall must be kicked, it will be kicked, provided the target is stronger than the wall. Are you hearing me? Whether the wall must be jumped over, it will be jumped over, provided what is giving you the strength is greater than that wall. Sometimes we pray that problems will go away, while in the real sense, it is blindness that needs to go away. When we are talking about next week and all the weeks of our lives, I believe and I pray, we are talking about seeing the throne where the Son of Man is seated because from that throne will come all the substance to give you strength, to give you hope, to give you courage, to give you sanity if sanity is what you need. Some things, I dare say, are easy to experience than to describe. Imagine me describing for you the throne and it is my version of description. While you, you also need your experience to get your version of the throne. Because the throne cannot be described in one language. It cannot be described in one rhythm. Everybody who comes before that throne has different varying experiences. I know you have been praying, God show me my future, or God show me what I need to do, or God show me where I need to go. But for today, we are going to pray one prayer. Lord, show us your throne. All authority comes from that throne. All righteousness comes from that throne. All our faith of the future is based on that throne. The throne of the Son of God. I have met intercessors and prophets who have seen demons and seen, you know, hell and seen genies and seen all these spirits except the throne of God. <laughs> they have seen lesser things except the greatest thing. Until you see the greatest thing, lesser things can still knock you down. Until you have seen the greatest thing and chewed it in your heart and received it in your spirit, the lesser things can still stop you. One time I was in a deep trial in my life and in my ministry. 
And I prayed, I fasted, nothing was changing. One day the Lord told me to do something very crazy. He told me, go to your study. I had a study table, which was a bit raised up. Remove everything on it and sit on it. And he told me, now, let your feet dangle. Then my feet were dangling. Then he told me, now, all these other things below you, are you going to touch them or are you going to step on them? I told him, the best thing I can do is step on them. He told me, good. Now, imagine you being called to sit with me up above all these issues. How should your thinking be? You have been looking at what is running on the ground, the rats, the cockroaches, the squirrels. Now, can you rise above them in your thinking, in your praying, in your visualization? Can you rise above them? Can you rise above these words you are hearing? Can you rise above this persecution? And by faith I say, Lord, I petition that I may now in experience sit with you on the throne. And for the first time in my life, I felt power like I'd never felt in my life before. That day I made a covenant with the Lord Jesus that I will focus on nothing else but on your throne. Every other squirrel can jump all they want to jump. All the other rats can gnaw on the wood and bite as much as they want. But as long as the Lord is alive on his throne, I will put my mind there. I will put my feelings there. I will put my affection there. Colossians now tell us, since we have been raised with Jesus, let us put all our affection on what is above where Christ is seated. He does not mention the throne, but at least he gave John time to mention the throne. Why do I insist on the throne? Because glory without authority is not glory. Yet authority must come before a throne. It must issue from a throne. We have been told how many things are ruling our lives and how many wrong things are ruling our finances and how many wrong things are ruling our, our marriages. Now it is time to be told how great is the throne which is above all those other wrong things. And after that, we need now to set our affection and our confidence on that throne and the one who sits on it. Many times we want God to come down, while in the real sense, it is us who needs to go up. Many times we tell him, Father, come down, while in the real sense, we need to take the stairs and go upwards. Because when we are up, when we are up, the down thing ceases to hold us anymore. The concerns of vegetables and fruits do not value to us anymore. The demons running on the ground do not matter to us anymore. Why were the apostles, oh God bless their memory, why were the apostles able to stand before all the persecution, all the knives that was piercing them, all the swords that was cutting their necks, why were they able to stand? They were able to stand because like Stephen in the book of Acts chapter 7, they lifted up their eyes and they saw something greater than the pain. Something sweeter than the sword. Something greater than the hatred of their enemies. The reason why so many people, despite saying they are born again, are full of pettiness, is because what they are seeing is what is before them. Not what they are called to live for. Which is the throne of Jesus. 
So somebody comes, knock on your door and abuses you, and the whole day you cannot pray. Oh, poor Christian, come to the throne. Somebody comes to you and corrupts your money and steals some 5,000. Now you are full of bitterness. Oh, Christian, come before the throne. This throne gave Stephen power to endure persecution. It can do much more for you. Somebody, like I began by saying, can be a drunkard, and I won't mention names. He can be a drug addict, he can be a humanizer, he can be sleeping around and peeing around and doing everything that a foolish man can do till he's told, do you know you are meant to go to that office and be the leader? That day where the suit will come from, don't ask me. That day where the best barber will begin to do his business, don't ask me. But the man will get his head shaved, the man will get his, himself dressed, the man will get even his language polished. Why? He has something greater than himself now to live for. What are you living for? Is it something that if we bring the knife and we put to your chest, you will be able to say, bring it on. I am bigger than this knife. Is this something if we brought any offense and we told you now stumble to this offense, you'll say bring even seven offenses. I will not stumble. Paul says henceforth no man should trouble me because some people can be troubled by men. Glory is not about oh, I was in my room and an angel came and light was there. Glory is substantial. Glory is real. Glory does not fade. Glory is permanent. It is permanent because the throne from where it is coming from is a permanent throne. Our prayers from today must change. From Father, come here to Father, take me there. When Genesis began, and I'm not trying to be theological, when the book of Genesis began, God came down to create. But when the book of Revelation, the book of Christ Jesus comes, God now tells man, like we have read in chapter 4, come up. Most of us are going to, to Genesis while God is waiting for us in Revelation. It is not God to come down, it is you to go up. It is you to live in experience by being up. Now, it does not mean you will not bother vehicle. It does not mean you will not, you know, boil your sukuma wiki or your, or your groundnuts. All it means is this. In your attitude, in your emotions, in your affection, in your hope, you are above only, not beneath. Genesis begins with God coming down. Revelation ends with God. Not even coming down, but catching man up. We are in a season of being caught up. Rapture should not be the day when crisis is happening on earth, when Christians are going up. We should have what we call in the inside of us, the spirit of rapture. The spirit of being upward only. Too many offenses do not need prayer. They need what we call a shift, a spiritual shift. A spiritual shift to live for something above, not something below. 
Oh, you know, we were to go next week to Marisabit. He came late. I don't know. I now hate that brother. You are still offended about Marisabit, girl? You are still offended about London? You are still concerned about, oh, Sijui, oh, Sijui, the contractor, the whatever. These are things below. They should never make a Christian to be moved. As I talk that way, I am staying by the Holy Spirit to stir you up. To get back what the church lost. The church lost the glory of the future. The church lost the glory of the soon coming king. And the way to negotiate it is to begin to understand the throne of God is a real experience. As I finish, there were three stages in the Holy of Holies or in the temple or in the tabernacle of Moses. There were three stages. There was the outward stage, or what you call the outer court, where everything could happen. Everybody could come and see. The Bible even called it the place where the Gentiles could come and mingle, and they could not be judged. Everybody could come there. It was like the parking yard where everything was done. If you came to the temple and you did not have a sacrifice to give, you could go buy that sheep or that goat there and come with it to the inside. It was the outer court. But there was the inner court. There was the inner court where only the priest and the Levite could enter. Only those who had separated their entire lives for God could enter. And in this place we see the Bible talking about the place where there was the shewbread or the word of God. The place where there was the candlestick, which was giving light, which is revelation. The place where the priest just waited on God before advancing further. And finally, to the climax, was the Holy of Holies, which only the executive priest of the day could access. Now, people of God, I want to tell you something. When you go to the Holy of Holies, there was nothing like candlestick anymore. You did not need natural light or natural effort for that matter. When you go to the Holy of Holies, there was no more Bible or what you call the shoe bread. No, the one you are reading about was right there, so you did not need to read anymore. Are you getting me? Initially, you needed to open a book with a scroll and the words of Moses were there. And you needed to read about God. But now, in the Holy of Holies, you are not reading anymore. You are now experiencing the one you are reading about. And you know what, people of God? A business can be in the Holy of Holies. A marriage can be in the Holy of Holies. A career can be in the Holy of Holies. A calling like my own and like your own can be in the Holy of Holies. Where there is no more human effort, no more human struggle. Why? You began to separate yourself, separate yourself, separate yourself. You began with 3,000 people on the outer court. Now in the Holy of Holies, it is just you and your God. I want to announce to you, church, in this season when we are fasting and praying, make sure you are in the Holy of Holies. Don't come to prayer because so-and-so was coming. Don't go into night vigils waiting on God because the, the man of God or the woman of God or your best friend is there with you. Pursue the Holy 
of holies. And eventually, people will be wondering about the method, and you'll tell them, I have no method. People will be wondering about your strategy, and you'll say, I have no strategy. Because in the holy of holies, natural effort does not count. There are days a marriage must go through the outer court, and you go through seminars of marriage, how to love each other, how to spoil each other, and all this decorum, but as you keep separating yourself, as you keep sanctifying yourself, as you keep advancing in the interest of God, you no longer need any strategy. You have God and God has you. But this is the beauty why I was sharing this story. Can I share it? Are you confused? You are understanding me. You reach the Holy of Holies and my brother, you have no idea the things you are doing to the people outside there. You know, the priest could be in the Holy of Holies alone and three million people could be waiting for one man to get it together. Three million people could be waiting for one man to receive the glory and to release it on them. As you are in the Holy of Holies alone, you have no idea how many hopes are hanging on you. How many souls are waiting for you. You have no idea how many people are just saying, God, so-and-so, oh God, so-and-so, oh God, so-and-so. Sometimes you don't do things right for your sake. You do it because there are three million people waiting for you to get it right. How many Kenyans, Kenyans are waiting for our president to get it right? And they have a problem, my brother uh, Peter. They cannot tell him to his face. But they are waiting, waiting, waiting for this man. Whatever he does on the house, on the hill, in that house, in that room, alone, let him get it right. The man is in the holy of holies of Kenya, and he has no idea. If he has, I pray for him to prove it. And sometimes you think you are, you are just doing your Christianity for you, but you are not doing it for you. John is here alone with God. But look, today I just read about what he had as an experience. Tomorrow a preacher will read it, and another will read it, and people have been told what John went through, and they have given their lives to Jesus. Because a man was busy with God, and he had no idea the effect he was having on generations to come. One of the reasons I've decided to do purity is not just because my mother told me or because my, my, my CEO patron told me, though they told me. It is because so many nephews and nieces, so many cousins and, and whoever, even my aunties, they are waiting for me just to get it right so that I can be an example to the others. Initially, it was tough just keeping it pure. Initially, it was even boring keeping it pure. Initially, it was even, even like a punishment keeping it pure. But when I discovered the stakes are high, the market is waiting for me to fluctuate or for me to steady, when I realized that it is not about me anymore, I said, Lord, even if I die, I have to get it right. Those prayers you are praying, stop being wimpy or small-sighted. Look at how many people are waiting for those prayers to go through. As that marriage is getting itself in shape, wait a minute. Did you know so many are waiting to talk about it? Or so many are already talking about it? Did you know there are grandchildren who will wake up and say, that was the marriage? Did you know? I met a man, Pastor Kimani, 
He was the elder brother of my close friend. And he had just come from abroad where he stays. And he had come for his father's funeral. And I was attending it. And I told him, Simon, do you know that you and your wife, you are the role model of my friend. And even to me, you are a role model. As far as marriage is concerned, did you know that we copy everything you did before you got married? The guy was like, oh my God, what do you mean? I told him, I know everything. I know how you met. I know how you prayed before you met. I know what you are doing right now in your marriage. I, we, we screen you from all angles. He told me, brother, I must come for your wedding because I didn't know the Lord has used my work to impact your own work. When people admire you, my brother, when people admire you, my sister, they will get the Googles and the binoculars and they will twist it and tilt it and get all angles of you. Do they not do it with celebrities in the world? Yes. But more so with you as a Christian. The other day we were witnessing to a man who later on gave his life to Christ. And this man had known me for three years. We, no, two years. We had been neighbors. Then he told my friend who was now his neighbor, I stayed in this apartment and I had one observation of this young man. I never saw him bringing a woman here like all of us. And I said, the day will tell me to get saved, I will get saved. He didn't need John 3.16, that kind of thing. He didn't need Jesus is coming. No, 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 no. I was in my holy of holies, doing my thing with Jesus. Obeying Jesus, reading his word, keeping to his word. And a man I had no idea about was watching me. And paging and tying his eternal destiny with one mistake. I'm not now calling you to be perfect. I'm not calling on you to be legalistic. I'm only saying keep doing what God has told you to do. You have no idea who is putting his faith on what you are doing. You have no idea. You have no idea who is waiting on you just to say, the Lord has finally come through for me. I was caught up, John says. But it was not about him. It was not about his mother. It was not about his father, Zebedee. It was no longer about his village. It was about the generations like me who are here today. It was about the eternal future. Which forces me now to read. First Corinthians, no, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. The Bible says something that I love. The Bible says, let's begin from verse 7 to verse 10. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and will prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. Verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due to us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. We will appear before that seat. It is a seat. Remember what I said, the seat on the throne? It is a seat. And this seat will do one thing. It will say, good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. You had a body, this is how you used it. You had a body, this is how you used it. Good, bad, good, bad. But before that day comes, we already have begun eternity now. We are already consigning people either to go to hell or to go to heaven based on our focus on the throne. So the high priest 
He's doing his thing there, saying Adonai, whatever he was saying. And the glory could begin, Bible historians tell us, glory could begin to leave that room under the door. And it could reach the people, and reach the people. And the people, when they saw the smoke, they could begin to praise. They could begin to praise, and they could begin to praise. Whoa, I forgot to tell you. Oh, maybe I'm repeating. When the praises were going up, the priest was deaf to what was happening behind him. Do you know you are deaf to the world? Yet the world is hearing. Do you know you are deaf to the world? Yet the world is getting the effect of your work. Do you know you are deaf to the world? Yet the world is either praising God or mocking God based on what you do in private. Do you know you are dead to the world? The priest was dead. But as he concentrated on the encounter he was having with God, people behind him, could feel the effect. I have aunties, before I go to their homes, I must get it together because I know what they carry. Them, they do not know, but me, I know. People of God, glory is not about, you know, power came down, I fell down, all that kind of thing. Glory is, where are you with Jesus? And how consecrated are you in that place you are with Jesus? Where are you with Jesus? Are you before his throne? Or are you before your own throne and your own things? Are you before your own, you know, your own distractions and your own seductions? Or are you before Jesus? Men in this Bible, whom we are meeting soon, by the way, good news for some, bad news for others, Men in this Bible faced so much adversity, faced so much poverty, faced so much misunderstandings. And because they kept seeing the Lord, the Bible talks about David in Acts chapter 2, the Lord is always before me. I can behold him on his throne. David always had God before him. No wonder despite the fact he had a palace, he still managed to worship daily. Why? The glory of the throne of God was more real than the palace made of wood. I ask you again, what are you seeing? What are you seeing before you? When it is over, are you ready to meet Paul? Live alone Jesus. Before you meet Jesus, as an introduction, are you ready to meet Paul? And tell him, Paul, hey, hey, I had resources. This is how I used it. Are you ready to face Isaiah? Are you ready to face men like Daniel who faced lions? Men like Elijah who faced a whole army and they were not moved because they knew what you know? That there is a greater throne above the throne of his enemies? Are you ready to meet these people? We are coming here next week to worship the Lord. But the worship should not be commercialized. It should not be, it should not be cheapened. It should not be made little. This worship is about we connecting our souls to the throne. And we watching the throne release results in places we have no idea about. A final testimony. When I left high school, there were several boys who were very prayerful. And just before they left, some students came and said, I need your coat. I need your jacket. I just need to remind myself that I need to bow before God the way I could see your jacket bow before God. And then these three 
young men told me a story. How when they had left the high school, the same year like me, boys could go to the very spots they used to kneel down by the, the, by the school swimming pool and kneel down and imitate the prayers they used to pray, which they had no idea the boys were hearing. And they could repeat it word for word. They could make, you know, those gestures. They could shake the way the boys used to shake. They could repent the way the boys could repent. Till the day the God they were provoking came down. Did you know that there are people who know you pray? And they even know how you pray? Do you know there are people who know which days of the day you fast? Pastor Kimani. When my friend went to the U.S. after getting his green card, the relatives and the neighbors who used to mock him, do you know what they did? They began going to the field. That big, oh, that big space, eh? that big field. They began to go to that specific spot every Thursday afternoon to fast and pray. And my friend told me, I hear people are going to my, my place of prayer to pray. What are they praying about? I told him, can I give you the grapevine? They are also praying that the God who opened doors for you, the way he opened it, will open for them. Then my friend asked me, how did they know I'm going there every Thursday? I told him, they know it because you have now succeeded. A man is now in Dallas. But people are in the showground, in the, in the open field, imitating him. And he had a little book and a little Bible. They also went and looked for little books and little Bibles. God is my witness. And they could copy everything. Paradventure, the glory that fell on him, should fall on them. How consequential to live before God. How terrible to represent God on earth. How significant to carry the glory of Jesus on your life. And good thing, those who truly carry glory are not even aware they carry glory. No wonder I was telling you, the high priest was deaf to the praises. The high priest was deaf to the shouts of joy of people who had been eaten with a smoke. There's a man of God whom I love. He came here, I think, last year. Maurice Serulong. He, had a, he has a tendency, before he ministers, of seeking God till the room is full of smoke, physical smoke of glory. So one day he's in the plane coming to preach, and one of his assistants said, today we are with Papa, we must watch how he prays. So they saw him beginning to sob like he sobs, and beginning to shake and say, oh my God, oh my God, and they began to do it. And they kept, they kept imitating and imitating till the smoke came and the smoke came. Now they tried to imitate him because the smoke had arrived and they could not see him. How beautiful to be imitated, but not completely, only partially, because beyond that point, only you and God knows what is going on. How beautiful to be a man whose secrets people have no idea about. Still they have to search it and search it. As they search it, they don't know they are searching for God. Because the secret actually is what? Is God. I long for days when Christianity was Christianity. When prayer was prayer. When worship was worship. Because those are the days people could be slain and people could be convicted on the roads. 
Those were the days children could come and report what Evan has said. Pastor Kimani, it is possible to relive those days. It is possible to recapture those days. It is possible to see those days. It is possible to experience those days. And if you don't want to be part of it, as for me and my house, I will be part of it. Let's rise up on our feet.